Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NBA Top Shot Weekly Tip-Off Show, brought to you by OTMNFT.com. My name is TJ Lasik. I'm one of the co-founders here at On The Moment, and this is episode 36 of the podcast. This is the show where we update you on all the news and information you need heading into this week in NBA Top Shot. And as always, I'm joined by my co-founder. This is the man that was crushing it on the golf course all weekend and has apparently been spending his entire Monday buying up all the Nikola Jokic moments. Justin, what's going on? God, it's been a fun day. Lots and lots of shopping today. I uh, obviously bought a couple jokers. I was shopping for some art, a new, really relatively unknown artist. And I decided, well, I'm just going to assume instead and say that this piece of art is a security. So uh, all in all, it's just been a fun day. Yes, yes. And as always on this Monday, we've got a special guest with us. So this is a man who's out there in the crypto streets, in the stock market streets, and of course, in the NBA Top Shot streets. He's one of the co-hosts of the Market Mania show where they're talking about all these different marketplaces on a daily basis. We've got Brett Ritchie with us. Brett, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes. Yeah. Happy to have you aboard. I was on man it feels like years ago that i was on the market mania show what was it back in february or something i think so man a lot has happened in top shot yes. especially since then yeah that was it we were in like the heat of the bull market and yeah. i remember that i think we brought my account valuation up on that show at one point and i can assure you it is not what it was <laughs> during that time I, I wish that was the case but uh yeah. not happy to have you on tonight brett and I remember from a timing wise, like Brett was definitely like uh, still kind of exploring it and kind of early in at that time period. And you still had to kind of coach up your kind of co-hosts on that um, show and stuff. But uh, yeah. no, it's been great to see whether you've still obviously been very active and uh, whether it's, uh, you know, tilting with your tweets or actually making some uh, of your big purchases that we were talking about with SGA and stuff. Uh, you know, it's good to kind of continue to get perspective uh, from people like you. Yeah, I love Top Shot. So, and uh, I was lucky right around that time I got one of those first hollow packs because I did the drop the night before and there was some bug basically if you mm -hmm. did that drop. And then I was like kind of off to the races from obviously if I were in early January or before, you're even more off to the races. But, but that was like a real fortunate boost to get started with. Yeah, it was strong. Yeah, and then how's it been? It sounds like you've still been pretty active in the Top Shot market as well. I guess just yeah. if you want to give a little bit of an intro to yourself for, for the people that may not be familiar with you or the Market Mania show or just what you do in general. Yeah, sure. So I am a former pro poker player. I am uh, currently working on a crypto business, Blitz Pick, and I do the Market Mania show with some friends. We air that most every day. The market's open at 8.30 a.m., and then I would say like Top Shot has definitely become my number one internet hobby. I think it's like a fair way to put it. Um, certainly not like trading to any level where you could think about uh, like income. I'm, I'm more just trying to position myself for the long term within that marketplace. Like it. And can tell us a little about Blitzpick. What's the status of that? What are you trying to build out there? Um, We're building uh, immutable repositories for sports betters. So it's kind of like if GitHub and OnlyFans had a baby, and that baby likes betting on sports on the blockchain. Uh, that's that's kind of where we're trying to be positioned. So we're in we're private early alpha testing going well. So we should be launching something public probably later this summer or early fall. So like Vegas Dave is your target market, like he's your primary customer. No, more like the Kaggle sports competitions. And then there's we have a lot of ideas for the sort of tournament aspect um, of how of how that can like live on the blockchain and, and there's a lot of just 
like the composability of the blockchain pieces is really interesting. And there's ways that we like, we don't really know necessarily where it's going to go in the long term. We're really focused on just doing one thing, launching it into the public and then iterating from that point. Makes sense. I mean, because I know Action Network took a, you know, a step forward in trying to add transparency to the industry with saying like, hey, you can join our app and kind of do, uh, you know, track your picks on there. Is this like even taking it to the next level? Because, hey, you've got the actual blockchain, so it's no longer just trusting the kind of third party of Action Network. We can actually prove the ver- you know, prove that provenance with the blockchain. And then it sounds like you're actually building a bit more of an ecosystem, maybe some gaming aspects around it, too. Yeah, the gaming aspect is is really intriguing to me in the sort of like user advancement tree kind of possibilities there. Uh, and then it's also about just sitting in the flow of information, like what you guys are doing with Topshot, for example, what what flow and Topshot lets you see so much more information than something like someone betting at Caesars or DraftKings gets to see. And so I'm of the belief that there's at least a decent chance sports betting and these other sort of financial adjacent industries are going to become at least partially or mostly on blockchain rails as well. So just kind of trying to be positioned to sit inside that flow of information. What are your thoughts on peer-to-peer sports marketplace betting, like using blockchain? Uh, that, so that's we started with that. We built a, a betting exchange on top of Augur, which is a decentralized prediction market on Ethereum. Ran into a ton of issues with that. Um, Love those guys, but like the, I think the entire prediction market space just in 2018 looked a lot more, uh, I guess, happening than it ended up being. I think peer to peer makes a lot of sense. I think like what Sport Trade is doing is very interesting. It's the regulation that's the bigger problem because you have the incumbents like the William Hills, the DraftKings that have the lobbyists and they really want to just keep all the fish to themselves. Whereas like an even playing field, is way better for sports betting. Like if you want to buy Tesla stock, there's just one price for Tesla stock. There's not like this, you can't buy it over here and then there's a different price there and all these like cat and mouse games. And so I think eventually we're gonna see sports betting head into that more open world, but it still has this stigma of like, that's a bad thing in some sectors. And then the lobbyists I think are very effective at basically just bribing the politicians to shut out competition and keep the monopolies going. Do you think there's any overlap between what you're building and something like Top Shot or other collectibles markets where they maybe can build out some form of a gaming betting uh, component? That would be cool. I mean, to maybe offer um, like services, I guess, for the Top Shot. But like in my opinion, uh, like there's already a lot of people building on Top Shot. So I, even though I like the product as a user, that's not really where my uh, business interest is. It, it is um, more just kind of like as a consumer. And I do I do like the possibilities of for Top Shot of like eventually people can pull their NFTs out of Top Shot and maybe go battle them somewhere else. Uh, but I would say it's probably unlikely I would be a part of that on a uh, business side, definitely on a consumer side, I'll be, I'll be right there. TJ, I think I'm about to give away like the billion dollar idea, but we should work on this in the background. Did you ever do like in high school, like a mock stock competition or like where you get like $10,000 to invest in a fake stock market or the real stock market, but you're not using your money? What if you made like gaming around that for like Top Shot? Like, hey, people who don't have the ability to go buy S1s and such, but you have a $10,000 fake dollars and you have one month and you compete against others. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think like you guys would be positioned to do that. 
because uh, you're going to have the top shot users on your platform. You have that synergy there. And um, I think that's intriguing, right? You give away packs, right? You maybe have a hollow pack or something for first. You, you give some good prizes away and let and let the users kind of battle it out. Like, yeah, like pretend you have Library or Alxo. I don't know. I don't know how to say these guys' names, but like some of the big whales, you know, pretend you have what they have or, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, run up your 10K. Like how, what's the most effective way to do it? What if we had like mock challenges? Like you, uh, you know, because we can't actually, you know, most people can't actually go and complete the hollow challenge. We would have something we do it your fake actually build out like a plus EV. It's like a simulation on those. All right, gears are yeah. grinding. Love it. Love it. Sounds like we're going to have some food for thought for after the show here. So <laughs> love it. But yeah, happy to have you on tonight, Brett. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Do my obligatory. If you would like to, please go ahead, hammer that like button, smash the like button, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching this back after the fact. We certainly do appreciate that. And we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk through some of the, the happenings that have been going on in the Top Shot world. We're going to run through office hours notes from last Friday, talk a little bit about the, the Dapper lawsuit that came out that was creating a little bit of buzz around Twitter. Also going to touch on the Throwdown Challenge that ended today just briefly, but Veerman put out a, a little bit of a thread. And I think we'll, we'll give some of our thoughts on how that challenge turned out and, and why, like, a, there was not a ton of participation in it, but B, it also seems like it ended up being a plus EV challenge. And I feel like those two things are pretty directly correlated. And then we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs because playoffs are officially kicking off this week with the playoff tournament and just talking about the, the state of the market in general. So let's go ahead here and let's dive right into it. So just to summarize a bit of, of what we saw on Friday in office hours, nothing really groundbreaking here. We're expecting to have the next version of the Hustle and Show drop probably sometime this week. That'll be quickly followed by the Hollow Icon 3 legendary drop. We also had the Dapper team coming out and saying that they plan to learn and improve, etc. from everything that went down with the Throwdowns pack drop. Obviously, that was the big topic of conversation last week, just the first time that we've seen a... I mean, I think beforehand, we hypothesized that it was going to be negative EB. I think it did turn out to be that way. And the majority of people that got the packs did not actually make do on the $149 that it cost them to get it. And we're expecting the, or they're saying that the hollow icon pack will be the same as it was before. So what, what was that? 199? 999. So, and it'll be interesting how much demand there would be for that, you know, based off some of the current prices, uh, there's going to be some strong moments in those packs, though. Just uh, what, you know, our guesstimates from the remaining teams, the remaining potential players, and whew, if they could get that Nets play from last night. Love it, love that it. That was a and sick then, play. Yeah, that was dope. And uh, yeah, dapper lawsuit. I mean, what do you what, you want you want to touch on that, Justin? Yeah, I mean, Sorry, like none I, of us, could, are, none of us are lawyers here, um, yeah. right? You're not a lawyer, are you? Poker player, no. lawyer, they kind of go hand in hand. But <laughs> there's a uh, fair amount of crossover there. But yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I hate my lawyer job, so I'll go use my same mindset and go play poker. Yeah. Um, no, I think overall, though, uh, I think overall it's going to be a fairly frivolous lawsuit. Uh, I think the impacts, if it was to actually follow through, would be groundbreaking for far more than just Top Shot and pretty much any industry that focuses around collectibles. Um, usually in the idea of collectibles, 
you are buying things that you believe there's going to be a community and there's going to be long-term value to because there's a community around it. And there's usually a private company that is actually building out those. Um, it's not much different than if we would have said that, hey, oh, um, I don't remember who, who did Beanie Babies besides like TY if there was a parent company. Uh, but like if you were buying Beanie Babies, like, oh, now you're buying a security asset. Like the only difference is now because this is digital versus that was a physical asset. And any form of a collectible market is very similar. Um, and that's why I was making a joke around art. If I'm buying art from a relatively unknown artist, because I think that artist is a lot, has a lot of talent and is going to you know, get a lot better uh, and you know, more famous and stuff. And theoretically, their art will then appreciate in value. Um, that's me making a bet on that artist or whatever, but it's not me making a bet on an asset or a, secu- I mean, a security. And uh, there, there's just a major difference here. And it feels like this is just going to be something that gets a little too much publicity just because Dapper Labs is the hot company. Uh, a lawsuit against the company is always going to make noise. And uh, I, don't know, I don't think it's going to have many negative implications. And if anything, hey, any press, it's good press. And who knows? Probably just a slight distraction, though, at the end of the day. Yeah, just wanted to make sure we, we touched on that. We had a couple of people tweet at us over the weekend with thoughts, and I agree with you. I think that hopefully it just blows over quickly. And like you said, any press is good press. I will certainly subscribe to that theory on this one. Brett, do you have any thoughts on that? Or I didn't even pay much attention. And like it seemed yeah. like a bitch move from somebody. And like whatever they you raise money at a multiple billion dollar valuation, the the sort of ambulance chasers are going to come running toward that honeypot. So. Um, yeah, I hope they lose their, I hope the plaintiffs, I guess, is that, I don't even know if that's the right word. I hope whoever is suing them loses in humiliating fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough too, because like, okay, you could probably map out and say like, Hey, this may cost Dapper a few million dollars just from like a legal to go through it all. And then it's like a, Hey, if you pay me 500,000, I'll drop it right now. And like economically that actually would make sense for Dapper. You do it sealed and stuff, but then like. You get this per you know this person wins or whatever, and so it turns yeah. into like how much are you willing to you know actually pay for principal, um, even though you know you're right and you're going to win it, and it is frivolous. But you also don't want the you know future people to kind of come and do this either. So uh, I think most likely, yeah, it'll get th- I think it'll get thrown out in early courts. Sounds about right to me. And yeah, all right, let's let's move on here to talk about the throwdowns challenge a bit because I was. Looking at this earlier today, there was some chatter in our Discord as well between, I think, between last night and today. And, I mean, just looking right now, so this is Throwdowns Challenge number one, which expired at, what, 1 o'clock p.m. today. And, I mean, this, for as long as I can remember, is got to be the smallest post-challenge dip that we've seen. And it just felt like, in general, this challenge didn't get a lot of discussion, a lot of buzz, right? It seemed that people were so upset by the EV of the throwdowns pack that everyone just kind of didn't talk about it, kind of didn't care about it, only saw 382 people complete the challenge. And I think I saw the Blake Griffin was going for 280. Is that right? Yeah, 280. So I think for all intents and purposes, a relatively plus EV challenge, because I think the total thoughts complete was around 830. Comes out to about 10 to 13%. Um, so if you take like 650 plus 280, um, you know, you're getting around 930 and it's a cost to complete. If you look at TJ, it was about 820. So you're seeing that kind of 110 over uh, 800. So about that, maybe even up to 15%. Um, end of the day, though, well, I mean, it's challenging. Um, 
because we, you know, and I think the Joker example um, for what we saw TJ and we were talking about this before the show is kind of an example that the reality is, is that markets do move because there are people who are talking about various things or putting out certain things. Um, and like, yeah, the Joker thing maybe only went up from six to seven dollars. Um, but like people saw that our account, you know, people saw I was buying and then people wanted to you know, buy as well. Um, it's fine. Whether or not they hold, whatever. With throwdowns and with throwdown with challenges, what we're kind of seeing as well is whenever we or someone else, you know, that is, you know, has a strong following, puts out a analysis that shows that it challenges plus EV, um, it, the the completion significantly go up. And so Veerman put out that tweet thread, Twitter thread, where he's like, "Hey, this is probably I think up. I think you did a tracking and." at least in the modern era, we'll call it a top shot. This is the least amount of completions we have seen when you divide over how many possible you know, completions there were. Um, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but this was also one of the first challenges that we did not put out a challenge analysis. And uh, had we have put out a challenge analysis, uh, an argument, well, we have said it was plus EV or whatever. Like we're seeing that it is here. Um, and so, you know, TJ, you were saying beforehand, if we put, if people see that a challenge is plus EV, more people then complete it. That inherently means there's going to be more completions, which means the value of that reward is less. Which means that now it's you know may still be plus EV, but it's definitely done gone down in value. Um, and that's one of the things we are sensitive to and trying to figure out. And we kind of were talking about this in the AMA last night in the in the, in the Discord. Uh, how much do we give out these challenge analyses? You know, we, we, want, we don't want to be the company that really is telling people or giving the people the fish, but we really want to help them so that, hey, they can learn from previous ones. They can build out their own challenge analyses, and then they can actually get value through completing these without having someone like us saying, hey, this is plus EV. You should go out and do it. Um, but we know people also want to know whether it's plus EV and compare it to their own. So like, it's a difficult position that we know that we're in and we're trying to continue to uh, ask the right questions internally and through conversations with the community. And um, we don't have the right answer yet. Brett, you've been competing in the challenges at all or uh, keep, yeah, keep tra I've, keeping track of that? I've, I've done a bunch of them. I think I've done seven. I have the Shea Gilgis Alexander one for tomorrow. I've been stacking up the Meagles. I'm team Meagle, by the way. Mm. Um, shout out to Steph, the pioneer of that movement. Um, I've been stacked. I stacked up the Meagles when Luca had, it was like Luca, Obi and DeRozan and they were out and it was like one really good one and, and two bad ones. So I just grabbed a ton of them, um, without knowing, like I took, I actually liquidated my entire account into 97 of those 27 different Meagles ahead of that. And then just liquidated them into the, uh, I, I stayed and I did the Luca challenge, but then I sold the rest. And then, so I did kind of similar. I stacked a ton of these ones for the next three because they're all pretty good. Shea, uh, Cole, Anthony, and Embiid. The throwdowns, I was actually upset with the set. Um, not because the pack was negative EV, but I just felt like it was a senseless flooding of the marketplace with like 100K rares. Uh, right when you know you sell Hollow Icon coming right before the playoffs when you have a lot of content coming. Like I felt like it was in the market kind of, rejected it pretty soundly just across the board like i i just uh i don't know for me and again i'm biased i'm one user type on the site like a pretty active trader especially in rares which is some of the cards like or moments hurt the most by it but i i honestly don't even understand the logic of putting out such a huge set right before the playoffs i think it would be better to like kind of like 
simmer, let the beat build a bit, and then you hit you hit with the playoff content. Um, so I honestly, I didn't even look at this challenge, which I usually do look at the rare ones to see if they're going to be plus EV, but I was just like, I was just over the throat on set. So I haven't even looked at it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think a lot of people have a very similar mindset there and maybe they were over it because this pack was minus EV and they, you know, they got one, they were upset. They didn't want to continue to chase. Uh, maybe it is, as you're saying, like there's going to be, was it 51 moments of this? Um, you know, 51 rare moments and out of a large number, um, that's, is it still rare? Um, and I agree with you, like this doesn't scream playoffs, but we're now into the playoffs and we've only released about a fifth of these. So we're going to have four fifths of them released through the playoffs. I think this would have been better to have either as an off season thing where it's like, Hey, these were the throwdowns of the 2021 season. This is when we went big. Look at all these great plays. Release them then. Um, yeah. And and they, like you know, sure we could, we should definitely have these discussions, these emotions around like what we feel Dapper should shouldn't do, or how you know we should individually react to packs. But for the people who, if you're doing it for the plus EV standpoint, and like I think what's most notable here, TJ, is like it didn't even like it. Obviously, it took its initial short dip of something like what twenty percent. but like it didn't, it then like found a floor. Um, So if you can zoom in there, TJ, maybe pull the box up and just see like um, that found a floor pretty quickly. What? That's about three hours, three hours until it found its floor and then just kind of stayed there. Um, And the only thing I will say is that there's this small chance that there's a master challenge because of the way the math works out. But I don't actually think there's going to be one because they would have been, I believe they would have announced and they claimed they would have announced it beforehand. Um, yep. And so I actually, th- that was one of the notes from office yeah. hours on Friday was that they said there's not, they didn't say completely no, but said most likely will not be a master challenge. And then they said that it's possible that an unreleased throwdowns moment could be the reward for a different challenge. So that could right. explain that odd number. Cause I know the odd number is basically what led people to, rightfully say we think there's going to be a master challenge and i think showcases make most sense they've been doing these more showcases they can do the either showcase challenge the showcase quest there's some interesting additional ways here uh that's where that moment will likely come into play not the not the master but i also don't believe that a you would need a lot of people to believe that there was a legitimate master challenge to have that floor only be that 25 percent drop that we saw because all you need is the undercutters like there's that means Either the undercutters just aren't there, which I don't really believe, or there's actually been some momentum for people of buying those moments post challenge for like, I'm I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Uh, It'll be an interesting thing to look more into, but I think at the end of the day, the big thing just comes down to uh, not that many people completed it. Um, And so the ones that did seem like they're more in the collectors that want to hold on to them. And that's why we're just not seeing as much being flipped. Makes sense to me. And then another thing uh, they've been recycling, right? You saw the seeing stars and like, they've sort of said, Hey, we may recycle some of these moments. Um, and it's, I mean, even though I was like, Hey, that's kind of a lot for a rare, it's still out of 1800, right? It's actually a pretty small set. So when you're getting them at like 40 or something dollars, I think whatever, it, whatever the floor dropped to, um, I, it makes sense that people are sort of fighting to protect that floor because a lot of people don't want to buy the moments post challenge, but they're going to kind of trend back upwards. Eventually it, it seems historically they have at least. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just a question of, I mean, what do these S2 rares look like in the long run? 
because they really feel like they're just right now floating in a bit of no man's land um, between the S1s and eventually the S3s of the future. And people feel there's a whole bunch of these rares and such. And I mean, I think this also highlights my stronger position of if you're into S2 and you want to find like long-term value, I think MGLE, not Meagle, MGLEs in Series 2 is uh, where there's just tremendous value because the Those idea that you favorite. have a rare that's slash 499 when every other rare that we've been seeing in this series and probably going forward is going to be closer to that at least slash 2000. Um, uh, and so that's, yeah. I totally agree with, with that. I bought uh, a few of the, like, po- like Randall, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. I bought their Meagles uh, last night, I think, or two nights ago. Uh, it's like it's like two, like if you look on um, the market cap of some of these players, like it's their lowest market cap moment, and it's it's like a flagship series. It's rare. It's only out of four ninety nine, and I think they might be getting watered down a little bit by the all star and uh, maybe rising stars and then the throwdowns. But if you can like maybe look forward six months or something, uh, I, I do agree. Some of these prices are just too cheap. So there's some good long term plays in there. Yeah, completely agree. One final comment that I'll just make from from Jack in the chat here. I think it's actually pretty reasonable observation as well is that the post-challenge dip for the throwdowns, maybe not as much because they were already kind of undervalued to begin with, right? So the packs came out. It's not like some of the past moments that we've seen where they were overinflated and just got even more inflated because of the challenge. Yeah, really, I think it just goes along with the sentiment that people were not super thrilled with super excited about the throwdowns the throwdowns pack in general and how that came out and i think that translated into the challenge participation all righty i think we've talked through that one enough and let's talk about the nba playoffs because playoff week is here and the playoffs do not officially or, or the traditional sense of playoffs do not start until saturday but we do have a week long of play-in games here so gonna quickly break this down for people that maybe are not aware but we will eventually get to the traditional 16 team playoffs but until then there will be two series of two play-in games for the west and the east so the seven and eight seeds from each conference will be playing each other the winner of that automatically gets in as the seventh seed whoever loses that game then plays against the winner of the ninth and tenth seed so all through seven, eight, nine, ten, all have a chance to get into the playoff. Obviously, if you're in seven or eight, you have a little bit of an easier path because you just have to win one game. And definitely the highlight is the fact that, uh, man, how times have changed. We have the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors playing for a play-in game for the seventh and eighth seed, which is just so crazy to see. And it's also just crazy to me. I also put up the odds here, and you've got the the Lakers as the, the second favorite and the favorite in the West, and yet they're the seventh seed. Just to me, it goes to show that when it comes to basketball, the playoffs are just a, a completely different animal, and really, the regular season only means so much. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's insane. I mean, you have the one seed, Utah, who is plus 750. Um, you have a team that is in a playing game, like legit has to win one of these next two games to make it in. And then if they do make win one, they then get number one, a one or a two seed opponent. And then you still have a very difficult bracket in the West. Uh, And then that means like you either have one of the LA teams or the two favorites out of the West that neither are a top three seed. Um, It's going to be a, it's going to be a really fun playoffs, at least in the, in the West. 
I also think it's going to be fun playoffs because I feel like for the first time in a while, it's not just like a, a predetermined thing of like, oh, it's going to be these two teams. I guess last year, maybe not so much, but, uh, you know, for several years, it was basically, well, it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State, and then it's just going to be a matter of who wins. So I think it's a little bit more wide open. But, uh, Brett, what are your thoughts heading in the playoffs? You got a, a favorite team or what's your what's your NBA fandom level here? My NBA fandom is Russell Westbrook. So I'm a Wizards fan. I grew up in Pittsburgh, so we didn't have a team there. So I've always sort of like been a free agent. But I do stick with like I don't just jump ship, you know, midseason or something. Um, so I've been a Westbrook fan since probably pretty early in OKC. So I've always just cheered for his team. And uh, so I'm happy with this run that the Wizards are on. They've got a bit of a, a tough road. But I'm, I'm cheering for the KD Russ matchup. If the Wizards beat Boston and that game's like a pick 'em in the betting markets or, or close enough, then then we get KD Russ. So I would love to see that. Even though the Wizards are going to be huge underdogs, they've really been been balling out. And and I agree with you guys. It's wide open. Like Brooklyn is is big favorites, but they've had a lot of injury trouble all year, right? I think this price is sort of factoring in that they're they're healthy or maybe they were like resting some. But some of those injuries, you're missing a month. That's not necessarily um like you're just resting the guy so i think there's some injury concerns with brooklyn and beyond that it's wide open yeah no i think i mean bachman was talking last night in the discord as well like how excited he would be for that washington brooklyn matchup and completely agree i mean nobody wants to go against westbrook in the playoffs just the amount of just hustle and hustle and flow you could say hustle and show um that he would put out there but that'd be a fantastic series um, he's been playing out of his mind too, man. He's putting up a triple double almost every night. They're winning almost every game. Like if you look at their last 20 games, they've lost by like one point, one point overtime loss. And I think three points and that's it. Uh, maybe 18 games, something like that. So they're, they're on a huge tear also. Right. And just such an exciting team. If they were to able to, whether it's pull off the upset versus either Philly or Brooklyn and just having like a Westbrook Beal and just, you know, nice surrounding cast as well would just be a fantastic, you know, run to watch at least. Yeah. I'm hopeful, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like put a lot of money, couldn't, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it, but I'm who, optimistic. I guess. Who do you think they'd have a better chance against 76ers or Nets? I think they would have a better chance against the 76ers as long the Nets, if they're healthy, it's, it's really hard to beat those three guys. I, I just like, you really – I don't know what needs to happen to beat that team over seven games. The The thing is we haven't really seen all three play together that much all year, so who knows? I think that that's why there's the uncertainty. But, like, I uh, – if they're healthy in the, and they're clicking, which are two big ifs, then it's, it's going to be tough to beat them. Right. I think what's the number? They've only played together less than 15 or so games, like, as the big three. Um, and historically – when you have these elite players that just don't have enough time to actually find that kind of rhythm momentum, uh, it hasn't worked out that well. Um, yeah, like the Heat you know, first season. Ex- the, exactly. Uh, yep. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Vegas obviously still loves them from an individual player level. And the thing is, the playoffs are a long time. Like what? We still have kind of like a month and a half before the finals and such. Um, and so you could legitimately say that Brooklyn has two or three series to kind of get the kinks out and find their groove. Uh, before the finals um, or for someone to get hurt again potentially too I mean they've been they've been banged up all year yeah I think that's the even larger risk for the Lakers um, like yes they have the chemistry we know they can play together but I don't think either of AD or LeBron are you know 
anywhere near 100% uh, from a health standpoint. And without them both being able to battle and the grind of the playoffs, like that's, I think, the biggest risk if you're um, back in the Lakers. I don't get the, the betting odds on the Lakers at all. Like, I, is it only just like fish that are betting it, or is there some sophisticated reason? Because as you pointed out, they they have to win through the playoff game. A game against Steph, okay, that's not going to be that easy. Then one one game against either Memphis or Spurs, if you lose that, uh, okay, whatever. And there's injury risk, and then you got to go and play either the one or the two seed, and, right. and it's, it's still a stacked like the Clippers. Or the four, so you might have to go through the one, then the four, like Utah, then Clippers. Uh, it's a tough road. Yeah, and the Nuggets have done Nuggets have done well against them throughout the year too. So if they did pull out the win, uh, and the line, I think line started at minus six and a half for the Lakers, and has now moved to four and a half. Uh, so even the you know sharper money, it looked looked like it was sharper money that was kind of going on Golden State there. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I think Lakers. If the Lakers do lose this game to Golden State, they're going to be in a little trouble um, because having to go Jazz, Clippers, and then whoever comes out of the other side—that's uh, a tough path. Yeah, it's going to be a fun playoffs. I'm excited. Definitely. Yeah, the playoff game, uh, the uh, the play-in games are kind of fun too. I kind of kind of like that concept of just like, hey, one and done, whole season on the line right here. And I don't know. I think it's going to be. An exciting week. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. The Lakers, Golden State one, obviously, oh, yeah. as the hammer is, I'm sure a ton of people are going to be watching that one. I think we'll be streaming either right before it or right during the beginning of it on Wednesday. That is true. That is true. Good deal. We're gonna we're gonna get in a little bit into the uh, in the fast break section a little bit more about what we think NBA Top Shot is going to. Know, or, or what we think is going to happen in the NBA Top Shot market during playoffs. I think one thing that we're pretty sure of is that they're they're going to continue some sort of marketing push during the playoffs. So talked about it on the Friday podcast, but we ha- saw a clear sign of marketing with between Dapper and FanDuel, where they had were pushing that promotion, and they said in office hours that they're quote unquote just getting started when it comes to marketing, and that there will be more marketing during playoffs. So. I'm curious. I mean, just not touching on the Top Shot market itself, but from a, a marketing standpoint, what do you guys expect to happen? Do we think that you know we're going to be watching TNT and Top Shot's going to be mentioned? Do we think it's going to be more subtle than that, or do we just have no idea? Honestly, I don't. I don't have much of an idea. I think one of my favorite marketing pushes they did was that FanDuel contest last week. It's such a good yeah, user segment. Awesome to target. It makes a ton of sense in terms of like, uh, I guess the TNT viewers or whoever, I, I don't know like what level of integration or like, they also, uh, are a bit in beta still. Right. And then it seems like they've, they've put out a lot of moments recently. They still have more coming. I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of chill a bit on the marketing push until, um, next season. But they've onboarded. I mean, they 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 just raised all this money, right? They scaled so fast, like it blew up so quick. So I think even a lot of like the missteps or whatever, it's easy to stay from the sidelines. Like if you grow a hundred x in a month, it, it's almost impossible not to like make some errors along the way. So I I trust them to continue doing. Uh, like they've done a phenomenal job overall, and so I sort of trust the marketing will like take care of itself when it's ready. But I, I assume they're not going to rush it. But it might be ready. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think so. Here are some of the clues that I think we can, you know, uh, use in our prognostication. Uh, so one is Dapper Labs and MBA had the strong agreement. Dapper Labs doesn't have a strong agreement with the TNT or any of these broadcast channels. So unless they were going to be doing a bit more of a paid advertisement, a paid segment, um, I don't think we can expect to kind of see that from TNT. And I don't think Dapper's in a place right now where they want to do a kind of paid marketing segment with the actual TNT broadcast. I think more likely they're going to try to find some more organic methods and probably still call it in the form of testing like they've done with the NBA website for buying tickets, put in some small ads there. The FanDuel one seems to be probably some form of a joint partnership or the beginning of a longer form joint partnership there as well. Um, so I, I think we'll see some things, but it's going to become a bit more of a natural organic things in partnership with the NBA, not the TV channels. Uh, second is what we've been seeing them building out from a marketing team. Um, and so uh, that marketing team continues to get kind of a, you know, we see kind of each week a new hire or a new job posting or something. And so that team is nowhere near fully built out. And so I think it's probably a bit of a, uh, you know, putting, uh, putting the cart before the horse if you're going to go with a large media ad buy or a large marketing, heavy marketing push when your marketing, uh, you know, and growth team is still kind of you know, grow, being formed. Um, so that's why I agree. I think they'll use this as some testing and some kind of finding ways to branch out to new customers and new markets through this. But I don't think it'll be a turning the faucet on or turning, you know, that, you know, that true large blast that um, people are kind of hoping for. Makes sense to me. All righty. Let's, let's jump into the fast break segment here. So we did this for the first time last week with Mike Levy on the show. Thought that it was a, a ton of fun. What we're going to do, we've got five questions for you guys. So I'm going to ask the question. Brett, as the guest, you can choose whether you'd rather go first three times or second three times. And uh, then I'll put up the question. Give our answers. Try to keep it relatively short. but We don't have a firm time. And then just generate some discussion. And then from the chat, as, as people are giving their answers, if you think Justin is winning the round, you can throw a J in the chat. If you think Brett is winning the round, you can throw a B in the chat. And we'll have a, a little fun with it in that way. So let me, I'm going to move the, my screen around here and put myself at the bottom so that we can jump into it. Brett, would you like to go first or second? I'm going to go second. I feel like I'm the away team here. So I'm okay. going gonna, gonna to let, let Justin fair. go first. That's fair. I like it. All righty. So the first question that we are going with here, because as we all know, we are in a bit of a top shot bear market and honestly seeing some some downfalls across the board. So your top piece of advice for people for how to handle a bear market, whether it's top shot, crypto, stocks, etc. Justin, over to you. Yeah, so I mean, I think the most basic information is don't try to time the market. Um, you know, money, you know, time in is better than trying to time it. Uh, so that's something that I think most people are pretty familiar with. I think the more kind of uh, you know unique or the more uh, kind of creative strategy here is that we should minimize our short-term plays from our portfolio. And so specifically, if we're thinking about Top Shot, when we have a kind of a bull market, I'm more likely to kind of bull go for those short-term plays because I feel like hey, if you've got at least a stagnation or kind of a larger increase, you can kind of find ways to kind of 2x, 3x the market by finding the short term that kind of compound on each other. Uh, if you're going to only a short term play here, the upside, I think, is that, you know, hey, maybe your moment doesn't go as much down as the rest of the market. And so you're really minimizing you know, an upside stance because best case scenario, you're not doing that great. But because it's a short term play and you don't believe in it from a long term, 
if it doesn't work out for you, your risk is now substantial because not only do you maybe see a kind of market going down too, your short-term play that you're now stuck with has gone down even more than that market and you can't really sell out unless it's a substantial loss. Uh, so I'd say primarily during a bear market, focus on the um, your plays that have long-term value. And that's what I was doing with the Joe Kitches today. Uh, I believe that We've already seen it with the other badges. There's no reason why they're not that they wouldn't add an MVP badge for a player's moments. They've already kind of teased it, and I feel pretty confidently if it doesn't come immediately, it's going to come in the near future. And so I believe that all Jokic moments from this year will get an MVP badge. And so I went out, I found his cheapest one, I bought a hundred plus of those. Yes, it was kind of tedious or whatever, but without the cooldown, it wasn't that bad. And I think long term, that's a play that even if that six dollars goes down to five four because of our bear market, long term, it's still going to be a great play. Brett? Uh, so for me, I don't try and um, predict the bear market or bull market. I try and trade within just the ecosystem. So like I'm long-term bullish on Top Shot. So my general trading strategy has been just maneuvering within that environment and not worrying about how everything's crashing. Like if, if a lot of things are crashing, then I'm looking to maneuver into better positions that, that aren't going to take as much heat. But I don't worry about like the sort of macro trends as much. And so like I look at Top Shot now, I think it's like, okay, the playoffs are coming up. I think certain players that are going to be in the playoffs uh, are, are like really good buys. Like the Knicks-Hawks series is pick them. Good chance it goes to seven games. It's going to be all over national TV. They're not really um, like championship front runners, but between uh, the Knicks and like Trey Young, I think there's going to be a lot of media attention on that first round series. So for something even relatively short term, I think players on those teams are good buys and then maybe don't get stuck holding it um, past that series or the, or the next round. But yeah, for me, I just try and trade within the ecosystem and don't look at, and I don't try and predict bull or bear. I, I just uh, try and make good moves being a long-term bull on the product. I like it. Well, uh, while Chad's doing their B's and J's, well, that didn't work out well. Um, <laughs> while Chad's giving their J's and their B's out there, uh, I have a question for you though, Brett. Do you believe that a bull bear market is really just more of a historical lens or do you believe that's actually predictive of the future? I think there's people, I, I have some friends that are extremely, they, it, I feel it takes too much energy trying to predict that. Right. And so I don't like to put my energy toward that again. Like I do this as a, a serious hobby, but it's not something that I'm like spending a ton of time on. And I think it's easy to get like sky is following the sky's falling, uh, follow the herd mentality. And, even a few uh, a few trades I've made that I were like I was influenced by a friend or somebody they haven't worked out as well as the time that I've just like come up with a thesis on my own and then just gone in. So I really just try and do my own thing and and not worry about what the herd is doing. Although I do try and predict what the herd will be doing. I'm not too worried about what they're doing right now. I like that. Makes sense. Chat not very active with the votes. It looks like we only got. One or two. So we'll we'll TB there. I'm I'm leaning towards Justin. If the chat disagrees, they can let me know. But let's let's call it. Oh, we got one and one in the chat now. We're leaning towards Justin on the first one here. But let's move on to the second question. So we teased this a little bit earlier, but Brett, gonna kick it to you first. What do you think the impact will be of the NBA playoffs on the larger top shot market? I, I think we'll see like a continued exodus of some sort from the people that aren't as interested and i think we're going to see a renewed engagement from the people that are more interested so we may not see the overall numbers that we saw like in february or or march 
but we're going to see like a larger engaged core audience. Um, the people that like Top Shot that sort of weathered these storms or whatever are for sure going to be engaged during the playoffs. And again, we saw this recent negative EV pack. I think a lot of like the Johnny come lately types, they may fall off. So like the overall numbers may be down a bit, but the engaged users, like the users that really matter, I, I expect that to increase from where it's been the last few weeks or so. Justin? Yep, I like it. And uh, so for me personally, I don't think we're going to see any strong upward movement in uh, overall market during this time period. Uh, I think that's a kind of a uh, fool's errand or kind of a red herring, um, you know, that people are kind of looking at and hoping for. But I think in reality, if there is any form of a kind of bump, what will happen is, as you said, people will try to be getting out, use this as a, hey, I've seen what this market is. I've seen what happens when you get like a, um, what is it, uh, KPJ or one of the Porter Jr. I think it was KPJ had the 50 point game. You see what happens in the sell off, whatever. People just end up using that as a way to get out of it. And so I think you're going to see that from a market selling stance, and it's probably going to take around two to three times of the market actually going up before people realize, like, oh, shit, if I don't sell it, you know, hey, maybe there's actually this is going to have some long-term trends. So I think that's great. Uh, but I think what I'm most excited for is now that you do have a lot of players that are from the NBA that are out of the game, uh, that maybe aren't in the playoffs and they'll eventually be out of the playoffs, uh, but have still been very active and enjoying Top Shot, uh, I think we're going to see them becoming more vocal uh, around the kind of Top Shot ecosystem. And whether it's through kind of talking about plays, talking about, you know, joining shows, being active on Twitter, I'm really hoping to see like a little more, uh, you know, the the players that have been into Top Shot that still had their kind of day jobs about the NBA, uh, being able to kind of follow their um, you know, other players in the NBA, but from a fandom aspect in Top Shot. Like it, like it. Chat can throw their J's and B's in there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brett personally on that one. I like the nice, nice, clean, concise answer. I, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to generate some buzz, but I think there's only so much that it can generate. But we'll see. I, I'm very curious to see how kind of like you were hinting at, Justin, how the uh, one one big game from people is are we going to see the market react immediately or are we going to see that take a longer time so i think that's something that we're going to be looking at during the playoffs here at otm is just evaluating on a game-by-game -game basis how that's impacting the market and specific players question number three over to justin which player would most help their career resume by winning a title this year now, well, I wish I could say that I was packing my bags with those Jokic's in advance of this question. I, I was not. Um, because I think he's still got such an amazingly strong career that he's going to win many of these in the future, blah, 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 blah. Um, no, I think it's got to be Chris Paul. Um, I think the knock on Chris Paul throughout his career is that he's not been able to ever win. Uh, you know, even at the Wake Forest level of things, they were, I think, like a three seed and got blown out in the first game by West Virginia. I think in the college, you continue to see uh, in, in the pros, you continue to see like he's got the, a great team. He's leading it there, and they lose in the kind of conference finals or something. Um, and so I think he's the one player that, if he was to get a ring, um, it really elevates him uh, from you know what we think about him from being just taking you know a great point guard, a great you know um, top four, top five, definitely top you know somewhere in there uh, point guard of all time. Uh, but that big knock on him not being able to win would go out the window. And yes, it's possible he could still get a championship, you know, maybe a couple of years later on down the road. Uh, but I think this may be the last year that he's, you know, a still kind of focal point of that team. Uh, maybe he has another year after this, but being the two seed is just a great opportunity for it. 
Um, and Booker's role is only going to increase and become more the face of that kind of franchise. Uh, so if Chris Paul is kind of still there, I think this is his last year to really, uh, you know, make it that he's the one who really got them that ring. Always a Chris Paul plug whenever we can. Brett, over to you. Who do you think's career could be most helped by winning a title? So they've got a tough path, but I got to roll with my man, Russell Westbrook here. The knock on Russ is he can't win, right? Okay. By the way, if he went to Golden State and KD stayed in Oklahoma City, it would be completely switched. Why doesn't Harden get, oh, he can't win, right? Chris Paul was there too. It's always about Westbrook. So, like, I feel the hate and the pendulum swung way too far against Westbrook. He's been playing out of his mind lately. And uh, he's actually, like, finally people are back. Like, people were treating him like he was Carmelo or Blake Griffin or something, right? Like a guy that used to be good that was basically, like, washed and out of the league. And, and he's really turned it around. And so, like, if he somehow – it's a big if, but if he can carry this team to the title this year – I mean, you, you, no one will be able to deny Russell Westbrook's greatness after that. So his, his career resume would be like a, a big green candle. I like both of you guys sticking with your personal brands on that one. So kudos to that. Chat, I thought they were both pretty even answers. So I'm going to default to you guys. Hit me with the, the J and the B, and then we'll make the call after that. Heading over to question number four. Which first-round series are you most interested in watching and why? And I know that all the first-round series are not set, so you can pick a hypothetical one if you choose to. Yeah, mine mine is going to be Wizards-Nets, or or hopefully the Wizards get in, whoever they play. Again, Westbrook's my favorite player, and it's just they've had such a weird season. They were buried and totally out of it. Russ was hurt at the start of the year. They've been one of the best teams in the league, if not the best, recently, like the last 20 games or so. And I want to see if they can make some noise in the playoffs. So I'm most excited uh, for that series. And I think that's a solid answer because obviously the Nets or the 76ers are a good team. And then the you know Wiz are a fun team. But I think more importantly, it has to be whoever the Lakers play. Because the Lakers, if they make the playoffs, are going to be playing either the Jazz or the Suns, the one or the two seed. And now you have the team who is literally the favorite of the West coming out and having to play against a one or a two seed and being the favorite and on the road for those games, uh, those are going to be an amazing series. And it's really going to give us an idea of what to expect for the rest of the playoffs because I think we'll, we'll know pretty quickly in those series whether or not you've got fully healthy LeBron, fully healthy AD, and uh, you know if those gears are clicking and they come in with a strong showing, upsetting you the one or two seed, uh, they're going to – they may even become the favorite uh, over the nets depending on kind of how – how healthy they look and what happens with that Nets and whoever series do. Yeah, I think both of those are going to be really interesting. And like we said, we got the, the Lakers who have been the historical favorite and now they're going to be coming into a different position than they've ever been. And then we have the Nets who, as we talked about, have barely feel like played together this year and yet they're thrown into this favorite position. So both good answers answers on that one. And, you know, I think both of them were such a toss-up that we're just – we're just going to have to go with it's a 2-2 tie heading into the fifth round. It wouldn't be any fun if somebody already won anyways, <laughs> right? And here we go. To bring things home for all the marbles, what is one hot take that you have about this NBA's playoff? This is for, for everything, Justin. So what do you got for us? I believe if LeBron doesn't make it to the finals this year, he may never make it to an NBA finals again. And – uh if that happens, I mean, he's 30, he's going to be 37 years old um, later this year. Um, I 
think it's December 30th. Um, so late, you know, 37, only has another couple of years. If they can't get it done this year, um, I think the Lakers are still going to obviously try to make another run at it. But I think the big thing from a top shot is he's got that, you know, finals moment from last year in the series one. Uh, he may not have another finals moment in his career. And yes, there are a ton of LeBron moments in the site, and there's going to be more because he's still going to play. Maybe he's going to try to keep playing until Bronny's in the league or something. Uh, but if he ends up with only one finals, you know, top shot moment, that thing is going to skyrocket in value. And uh, I think that is a more and more realistic possibility, um, you know, if it doesn't happen this year. And again, this is a hot take, but I think we are getting to a close to a place where you have to actually consider from a top shot stance, is there, you know, where is there kind of some hidden trap to value? And I think this is a big one because we kind of just always expect that LeBron's always making it to the finals. He's always winning championships. He made it so many times in the East and then he goes to the West and same thing. But if it doesn't work this year, it's not easy to get to the finals in the West. And uh, I don't see him just kind of jumping ship anymore to go get, make a new power team. And so uh, that's, uh, that, that's what I'm going with my hot take. That's pretty spicy. Pretty spicy. Uh, I, you know, as we know, I'm a Ken guy. Never bet against LBJ. But I like the hot take. Brett, what do you have? I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks win. They avenge their last two Giannis MVP seasons that ended in disappointment. They start off with a series against Miami, who upset them last year. Everyone thought Milwaukee was going to win that series pretty easily. Miami really played well. And uh, Giannis, again, back-to-back MVP. He was the first pick in the All-Star draft this year, so he has the respect of his peers. He's still extremely good. I think he gets maybe a little hate on Top Shot just because he has so many moments. He has 30 moments or something on top shot, but they're actually like fairly cheap. If you kind of throw out some of the MVP ones and you look at like his Meagle S2, it's pretty cheap for the kind of caliber player he is. And and then speaking of the top shot moments, I really like the Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton also. Those guys are very good. They're like extremely slept on on top shot. And I think there's a good chance that Milwaukee makes a run. They do have a tough path. They got to go through Miami who beat them last year, then likely Brooklyn then whoever philly or whoever and then the west champion it's a tough path but i think in those odds they were still only like 11 to 1 or something it's a very good team man with with one of the best players in the league right now Giannis, at the helm so i like the bucks as a bit of an underdog yeah uh, i like that as well bucks in a different position as usual typically coming in the favorites chat help me out here we need to declare an official winner between justin and brett so throw those J's and B's into the chat. We will declare the winner at that time. And just just kind of a, not part of the game, but a, a question I was also wondering that I meant to bring up earlier that didn't, are there any players that you guys are targeting from kind of a top shot perspective heading into the playoffs? Like, or, or do we think that that's not going to matter too much? I mean, I think obviously the no-brainer ones are the Nets guys, right? KD, Harden, Kyrie, if we think that they're going to be making a run, but is there anyone in particular that you have your eye on from a, a top shot market perspective in the playoffs while we wait for the results to come in here? So those guys to me are like, I've, I've been looking at all of the sort of playoff kind of players with potential or whatever. And those guys are all like kind of pricey to me and they have a bunch of moments. So I wasn't as excited about them. I like, again, like the Bucks fringe players, not even fringe players, but Middleton and Drew Holiday. I like the stars on the Knicks and Hawks. I think that that series is going to get a lot of media attention. Like it's not going to be the NBA TV game, right? It's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on TNT. And I think that like Randall has been going off, Trey Young, 
John Collins, Capella, whoever, like there's some good options in that, in that series. So I'm just kind of looking for uh, the jazz to have some undervalued players, like teams that could make a run where the players are actually solid contributors. I'm not trying to get like the seventh guy on the Lakers. Cause those guys are actually like way overpriced anyway, in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the elite stars like are already kind of valued where they are and such. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be the players that are in the non-larger markets that are going to get more screen time that are still leading their team. And uh, I don't want to ruin who I chose uh, my pick for our next game and such, but that was made with that process in mind. Yeah. Hey, that's a good segue there. And it looks like in the chat, we've got a good mix between B's and J's, but... I think Brett is the winner for this week. So, Brett, congratulations. You are the winner of Fast Break. I like it. Golf clap Thanks. for Brett. Thank you. <laughs> you, win, you win nothing, but, hey, yeah. you've got you know, your pride. I will pay it forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, go ahead. We're going to head to the last segment of the show here. Of course, it is the underdog pick of the week. So first off, I've got to say, if you guys haven't already, go ahead, check out Underdog Fantasy. I was actually in New Jersey this weekend, so I was firing some underdog drafts myself. Super, super easy to use. Went in, made my deposit, did a couple drafts, a couple NFL best ball type things, a couple NBA drafts. So go ahead, check that out. We've got Bach, our NBA analyst in the Discord, providing his takes as it relates to underdog. They've got their NBA playoff best ball tournament which I guess is probably wrapping up very, very soon. Not sure if it's filled up already, but you can check that out. They've got their NBA pick them where every night you can choose your favorite players and their stat lines. So I'm sure that'll be a fun game to do during the playoffs. And yeah, promo code OTM. Go ahead, check them out at underdogfantasy.com. And worst case scenario, if you don't love the app, they will give you up to $100 back guaranteed. Justin. We love underdog. That's all we, we got to say. Right? We do. And well, I think and Brett mentioned this earlier, like with the uh, you know overlaps. No, sorry, throwing in Fanduel during our underdog segment, but just the addition, the addition of kind of people into this ecosystem that have that DFS familiarity. And I know a lot of people who are were doing DFS for the first time last week because of that partnership. And uh, this is by far my favorite kind of DFS app um, because it really adds that kind of level of fun. So. Let's get it going, though, and see how we did, because I heard it did not go well. Oh, we did horribly. Literally, we all did horribly. And, you know, you just you hate to see it, but I'm about to flash up the results, and they're not pretty. Boom. Minus 6.78% is the quote-unquote winner of the That's week. That's why he's got the, like, $10 million account or whatever. Well, <laughs> there you go. He knows how to minimize losses in the bear yeah. market. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting thing here. If you look, there's a correlation. Um the percent down with the price of the moment. And so yeah. our most expensive and even between Coop and mine, Coop's a little more, Coop's went down a little more. Mine was a little less. And then he, you know, uh, Mike went with the cheapest one and had the least amount of change. Uh, and I think it's most interesting because I'm not sure if I would have predicted that. If anything, some people are thinking, well, the most expensive ones are going to have the least depreciation. You know, That's literally the- why I picked Vince yeah. Carter and my, and I got dead last by a lot. I'm like, yeah. really, I had to take a long look in the mirror. I picked an expensive guy again this week. Maybe I just need to rethink my whole strategy. Wait, you but didn't yeah, that's what I was thinking. Again? I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, that's true. When I doubled down on Embiid the one time, it worked. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, just just Martin, full Martingale. Whenever you lose, just double down until you win it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, th- there weren't many moments that you could pick over the last week that were in the positive. I was looking. There was very few, sadly. Yeah. 
And it is what it is. From, uh, yeah, I was I was going through like the people who put him in the YouTube comments afterwards and such, and I didn't yeah. see anyone. I didn't see I anything felt, like, that was good, so notable. I was just like, yeah. hopefully, we'll with playoffs coming this week, we see some positive improvements. And now we are at a, a score. Producer Coop, come on, man. You got to get on the board. This is your time. Maybe this will be your moment. Justin's in the lead with two. You have a chance to tie it up for the guests, Brett, this week, and let's head into it. So I'll start off with mine. I went with a more expensive one again. I wanted some Anthony Davis action. You know, we got Anthony Davis in the playoffs with the Lakers, going to be in that big-time game, playing game against the Golden State Warriors, hoping that that's going to get a lot of buzz. feel like we've never really seen primetime playoff Anthony Davis. I debated going with one of the cheaper ones, but I just – I wanted to go for the top shot debut badge. So a little bit on the pricier side than what I was looking for, but we'll see. I think obviously Lakers are going to be in the spotlight this week and we'll see if that has an impact on AD's price. Justin, let's go to you next. Yeah. So I actually first started looking at Russell Westbrook. Um, so funny enough with Brad, but I was looking at that top shot debut, but it was something around $1,100. And, uh, that's that's pricey. I think the um, I haven't really checked, but I think the you know triple double record and everything he's been doing has probably driven that up a bit. And I didn't want to go for one of his. Uh, that also, I think his top shot debut might be one of the slash one thousands. I don't remember correctly, but in that same vein, uh, one with Bradley Beal because a top shot debut series one for a player like Beal and the amount of points he was putting up earlier in the season at under two hundred dollars right now is just ridiculous value. Um, and I think. If you combine with not only just from a short-term stance of, you know, hey, oh, it's going to be, you know, going in the playing game, have the chance to play against one of the other top two seeds here and is a point score in the, you know, I was going with what I was saying earlier where I'm most bullish on the players that are great players that are leading their team but just weren't, aren't getting the national attention because of the market they're in, and this is a perfect example. Um, and so, hey, if they're, you know, I just $180 for Bradley Beal is just so deep. If you look at the other series one top shot like debuts around him, the players are nowhere near like the class and the upside that I'd say Beal has. Love it, love it. And then we've got producer Coop who's coming in with Tatum. So a little on the opposite side of you guys said that he thinks Boston's gonna win the playoff playing game. Celtics prep for a big win versus Brooklyn in the first round. And he says that. Tatum's going to drop 30 and 10 on Justin's 40 from Bradley Beal and get the win. Just crazy. Like it's four to five X more expensive than Bradley Beal. And I know that Tatum that is, is wild. a younger and has a long, you know, a better trajectory long-term and such, but four to five X is insane. And I mean, I guess, yeah, 14, 28, 29, 86. So that obviously has you know some relevance and comes into play there too, but still. Also, Brett, when I was on the Market Mania pod, we did some sort of pick them, and I'm pretty sure I picked that Bradley Beal first moment. <laughs> now that I'm now that I'm thinking back to that, and All I right. bet you it was more for more than 180 dollars at the time. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably was. <laughs> All right, Brett, bring us home here. I'm rolling with Chris Middleton. I sort of talked about him earlier. If you look, I like looking at market cap. Right, this is only out of a thousand moments, and it's like 280 bucks. If you look by market cap for the season one debut, he's by far the best player at like his market cap or, or below. I think he's too underpriced. And again, I like Milwaukee's chances of making some noise. He's really good when he's putting up like 22, six and six a game. People are going to be like, oh, hey, uh, that guy is pretty good. And I think I think he's like probably the most undervalued player on the site. There's a few guys like Sabonis. Uh, the, the whole Pacers team, actually. There's a few guys in contention, in my opinion. Beal, I think, is another 
a good choice for the most undervalued player on the site. But yeah, I think Middleton is just too cheap for his role on one of the best teams in the league. Like it, like it. And that'll do it for the pick'em of the week. Hopefully, hopefully whoever wins is at least in the green. That's really that's really what I care about at this point. And shout out underdog again. Check them out. Promo code OTM over at underdogfantasy.com. That is all we had for the show tonight. Should we open a pack, though, is the question. I think we've got time for a quick pack opening. What do you say? Let's do it, TJ. I think you've got one Let's do it. ready to rip. I've so got I one. opened a pack five minutes or ten I minutes before believe, the show. I can't believe you I didn't, did that. I didn't even think of it, um, you know, so I'm sorry. It was a Seeing Stars pack. So I, That has been a great opening. Yeah. That has uh, been a great opening. Could open it on the stream. I would have gotten all the glory. All right. Which one are we thinking here, fellas? Let's uh let's do the 34. The one that just was the one that just came I out. Just, I just right? got that one this morning or today, I think. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Let's do it. I got the sound set up. Here we go. Ripping some packs. I'm hoping you pull uh I'm hoping you pull a joker here. I would love that, considering you just raised the number one. I would love to pull a number one with anything. He called the number one. Start with number one. Number one for number one. Ooh, Kemba. All right. If you have a quest challenge, I think he's uh, coming as a point guard here. Counts as the assist. Point guard assist. Uh, That'll count. All right, Kemba. I feel like I don't have as much Kemba in my... Bowlers, I should so I like that. Ah. Door number two. Markeith Morris. Oh, it's a LeBron assist. LeBron assist. You get a Laker boost there. Yeah. That's a pretty like sick that. dime from LeBron there. That is a dime. The dunk solid, but I like that it's a LeBron assist even better. Oh yeah. And the last one. Get low, get low, get low. 12, 10, 3. Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Get out of here. I don't know. Brad was talking up those pacers. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon, Levert, Sabonis are all insanely cheap. You can throw Turner in there too, but those other three to me are just like, it doesn't make sense. But I mean, it makes sense. They're a small market and like they're probably going to be out early, but yeah. I like it. Like it, like it. All righty, guys. That will do it for this evening. Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Tell the people where they can Thanks find you. Me. Tell them what you've got going on, all that good stuff. Yeah, Brett Ritchie on Twitter and uh, doing some cool stuff. So check it out and uh, holler at me, man. Good deal. Justin, any final words for the people? Yeah, I mean, we got the playoffs starting and stuff. We um, you know, had our, you know, those are our four moments for the underdog pick them. But if you guys want to play along at home, uh, when for the people in chat, when the show's over, just put in the YouTube comments. If you're listening on podcasts, put it in one of the Apple podcasts or Spotify or anywhere. The review standpoint, we check them all and uh, we'll read those. And if we have anyone that beats the four of us, we will uh, give you a shout out on next week's show and give you your props. Yep. Toss your picks in the comments. Toss in. You know, your favorite teams for the playoffs, all that good stuff. We'll we'll bring them up on next week's show. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. And we are going to go ahead and close things out. So on behalf of Justin, 
on behalf of Brett and on behalf of producer Coop behind the scenes, we will see you guys next time.